Clayton. John Clayton. Hey, Ma, I'm done with my segment. This is the Coors Light Cold Hard Facts with John Clayton. Brought to you by Coors Light. Made to chill. Time to talk some football. The professor, John Clayton, joining us as he does every single day. If you guys have questions for John, text him in right now, 421-3776. That's 421-ESPN. We'll try to get to some of your questions before we let him go for the day. Hello, John. Hello, and Shannon doesn't look good, does it? <laughs> and good to talk to you, too, John. I know. <laughs> I mean, we talked on Saturday, and it didn't seem optimistic, and now it even seems worse. Yes, I'm going to blame you for the whole thing. It is I, not looking fault. promising. It is your fault. You can own this one. Well, I guess the upside is that they're still talking at this particular moment, John. So it's better than hey, we throw our hands up in the air and we'll who knows when we're going to meet again. But yeah. so they're they're they seem to be putting some some level of urgency into today's meetings. I don't know what'll come out of it, yeah. but that's what we're following on Twitter frantically as they're still still meeting at this point. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Doesn't sound good. Yeah, well, we'll see, John. We'll see. Hey, what did you – I don't know if you were able to get through the um, the letter sent out by Kyler Murray's agent. Yeah. Uh, I was doing my best, and then I realized I was I was wandering mentally throughout the entire thing because it was just incredibly boring and long. But what it, it sounded like, the just the bottom line, it that they proposed some sort of long-term deal to the Cardinals and kind of putting this onus on the Cardinals to build around him and propping him up as a, as, as a great guy and great teammate and all of that, but – what, what did you make of it? Uh, an agent trying to get a deal for his client uh, with the understanding right now that the team may be a little reluctant to try to do something. And so it's probably not a good situation. Uh, but because, uh, you know, again, you know, there's a lot of question marks about him right now as far as his maturity, as far as his leadership and everything else. And the fact that he's, you know, kind of tanked in the second half of the last couple of seasons, uh, you know, they may not want to do anything. And if that's going to be the case, you know, this could get ugly. Well, and it feels like it's, it's, I don't know, the way it was worded and yeah. the way it was written looked like it was to sort of portray him as the good guy. He wants to be there and be a winner, but you guys got to commit. It seemed very passive aggressive is, yeah. is the yeah. way it read. And I, I'm just wondering, what do you, what do you hear about his relationship with the front office? Are there, is, is it strained? I mean, I know he came out and tried to clarify, which seemed to just make it worse. But yeah. what, what, what is that relationship it, it, like? It has to be strained, you know, because, again, you know, it's like uh, uh, the reports out that talking about his immaturity, uh, lack of leadership, you know, all those different things. And it seems to be a problem more than a success. And so because of that, uh, you get to, it's it's strained. <clears throat> now, obviously not with Cliff Kingsbury, because his relationship is probably strained with the owner, you know, because, again, uh, the owner was very upset with the way the season went this past year. And so it's like uh, it's it's this is not good. John. Yes. <laughs> yes. Long time listener. First time caller. <laughs> oh, OK. And by, by the by the way. Uh, it, it's great that you and Bob are together because, I mean, what, what have we been together uh, more than two, two, two and a half decades? The, the two of the three of us? Okay, we don't need to go with a half, but definitely yeah. two. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Shannon and I were like 13 years old when we started, so I know it's crazy. That. Prodigies, I, know that. I think yeah. they called us. Yeah. And yeah. for those that don't know, my first job in the business was doing updates for John Clayton on Saturday mornings 
20-ish years ago, maybe 22-ish years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was before I even knew how to use the Internet. I did it (laughs) off of an ESPN sports pager. Was there even an Internet back then? Uh, Barely. Barely. Barely, yeah. But we still had the ticker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So good days, good days. Hey, we're trying to fix baseball, and it looks like there are some things that are trying to be fixed in the NFL today. Really interesting to hear some overtime changes have been proposed. Does that need to be fixed? I don't like it. I, I, I like, you know, because my big concern is, you know, if, particularly during the regular season, if you, if you do that and you only have a 10-minute overtime, all you're going to have is more ties. And the one thing that you don't like in the NFL is ties. Uh, you know, not that I mean, you can wear ties after the game. You can wear ties to go to church. You can wear ties to do that. Oh, John. Yeah, but <laughs> but I, I I'm not a big fan of ties, and so it's like uh, I'm a little concerned about that. Now, maybe in the postseason, it could be something that you can consider. You know, because again, at least with the the postseason, it's one where I mean, you got the uh, you know the ability you know, go all all out because there's no limitation as far as the time as far as time and everything else. But uh you know, I'm I'm concerned about it. Four two one three seven seven six. That's four two one ESPN. If you guys have questions for John, you can text those in. The two oh eight is asking John, who is your way early favorite for the NFC West? Ah, uh, I mean right now you'd favor the Rams, but I think it's wide open. Because again, the Rams, particularly, we we, we got to find out about Aaron Aaron Donald, you know, because mm-hmm. Aaron Donald basically said, if you can't bring back, you know, Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr., I might retire. I'll still I'll, I'll retire, and of course, it's going to be tough to do that because they're over the cap. You know, they have to get a new contract for uh, Matthew Stafford. They've got a bunch of stuff that they have to do, and to be over the cap and you know pay two guys like Beckham and also. Uh, you know, uh, you know, and they even have, um, for example, they've got three offensive linemen whose contracts are up, and Andrew Whitworth is most likely to retire. And if that's going to be the case, they really have some work to do. Mm. Hey, uh, how surprised were you that uh, the Bucks left guard, Ali Marpet, is, is calling it a career? 28 years old, yeah. was set to make $10 million. And I know, listen, injuries and yeah. health don't have a, a price tag on it, but Still a pretty young guy and considered by many to be, if not their best O-lineman, one of the best that yeah. they've gotten. Just, it seemed like it caught everybody off guard that he's calling it a career. Oh, 100%. I don't think anybody anticipated that. I mean, what, he's 27, 28 years old, and he is that good. And, uh, you know, Pro Bowl caliber guard. <clears throat> and I was, you know, I've been you know spending, obviously, way too much time, as uh, you know, and Shannon knows, working on my database and all that stuff. And then, you know, working on the... Uh, uh, injuries and things, uh, misstarts and all that stuff. And the one thing that was so successful for the Bucks last year was the fact that their offensive line was pretty much healthy the entire season. And so now here's, you know, one of their best offensive linemen, if not the best, you know, retiring at a young age at the same year that Tom Brady retired. I think Gronk's going to retire. I mean, they're in trouble. Well, you can look at the other opposite end of things and the, the youth that will be coming into the, the league soon. You've got the Combine starting up. Uh, is there any buzz about anybody who could maybe kind of be an under-the-radar kind of breakthrough-type player or put on a good show or somebody that uh, could see their stock drop drastically in this well, Combine? Here, here's going to be the interesting part about the Combine, and we don't know the answer to it yet. 
Now, like, for example, when I was on with Mike Salt this morning at 845, uh, you know, th- at least three players came out and first rounders and announced that they weren't going to work out. I mean, we're talking about, you know, uh, Neil, you know, the offensive lineman tackle, who might have been the first pick in the draft and still might be. I mean, he decided not to work out. One of the top two cornerbacks decided not to work out. And Matt Coral, the quarterback, uh, also decided not to work out. And so if that's going to be the case, it's going to be hard in this combine if you have a lot of guys that aren't working out to see how they're going to be. Because then what happens, everybody has to go to the uh, you know college workouts, see what happens there. It's not going to be the same thing because you know they're not running on the same format because again it's like you're you you don't know how the field conditions are going to be you don't know if it's going to rain you don't know if it's going to snow you don't know what's going to go on and that could be a big problem and so it's like uh you know uh but uh you know right now it's a matter that it's a good combine and a good draft you know running back of course maybe one of the strongest if not the strongest position in the draft even though one may not go in the first round I mean, you may have three or four quarterbacks go in the first round, but they're not considered to be great quarterbacks. And then, uh, you know, it's good for safeties, okay for tight ends, real good for tackles, good for edge rushers. But, uh, yeah, so we have to sort it out, and this is the first time to sort it out at the Combine. And if the guys don't participate, it's a problem. Well, and it seems like that's become more common, John, with the, with the – the big time prospects, if you will, the guys expected to go in the first half of the first round, where they're going there and they'll they'll do the measurables, they'll you know height, weight, yeah. all that, and then they'll opt for their own their own pro days, their own workouts, and their setting with their receivers or their you know whatever they want to do with their drills and their coaches out there. And it, it I don't know, it does. What, what kind of an impact do you think that's going to have? Because if it really does feel like that's the way it's trending, that they're they're participating less in these running their own pro days for, for scouts and teams to come out there and see them? Well, really, no. Uh, obviously, last year, you know, without the combine, uh, you know, we, we did that, they had to do that. Uh, but before that, it had been pretty good. And uh, because I go back, you know, the first combine I covered was 1990. You know, Cortez Kennedy was there and all that stuff, Jer- Jerome Bettis. And, you know, in the, in the uh, you know, the tooth. Uh, late 90s and 2000s I mean you had the agents talking the players out of working out and maybe having as many as 150 players not work out and it becomes a problem and it becomes even more of a problem you know in a year like this you know where you have the uh, the pandemic you have uh, less visits to the college campuses and so there's more question marks than you normally have now again they're available for interviews they're available to take their physicals, but you want to see them work out, and it's such an advantage to be working out at the same time and on the same field because then you can say, okay, this guy legitimately is faster because you're on an artificial turf track uh, and all that stuff where you go to the different colleges. You don't know if it's going to be grass. You don't know what it's going to be. So, uh, yeah, this is a, a trend that right now could eventually kill the, the combine. It, it, well, at least for the the upper echelon guys, right? The guys that are expected to yeah. be, you know, one through ten, one through fifteen, yeah, perhaps. Five zero three asking, and again, you guys can text in your questions for John four two one three seven seven six. That's four two one ESPN, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. 
503 asking, John, which of these scenarios has a greater chance of occurring? Seahawks give big money to an edge rusher like Chandler Jones or making another trade with Houston and get Laramie Tunsil to play left tackle? Mm, I don't think either because Tunsil's making a lot of money. I, I can't see them going over a certain amount for an edge rusher. Now, if all of a sudden, uh, you know, he wants to, uh, Chandler Jones wants to take, you know, less. And I, I mean, I see some reports where he's not going to make big money, then I can see it. But I, go back to the Jadevi and Clowney thing. You know, they started out at 13, eventually went up to 16, but they weren't going to go up to 20. That's just not John Snyder. He just doesn't do that. You you said you saw reports where Jones isn't going to make much money? I saw some. I don't know if I believe them. What, I mean, when you say not much, what does that mean? Like, well, what? if you, I don't know if Sport Track had changed this, but they had him in the five million dollar range. What? I know. That doesn't even make sense to me. I'm. Gonna... I agree. And uh-huh. yeah, it doesn't doesn't make <laughs> sense to me. So I mean, I know he's not 24. He's 32. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. just turned 32. But man, the guy's production is is just it's crazy. Well, particularly against Seattle. Yeah, he, I mean, he kills Seattle, but he had ten and a half sacks last year. Right. This most recent season, he had. Uh, he only played five games in 20 because of the injury. But the year before that, 19 sacks, 13 sacks, 17 sacks. I mean, guys double-digit sacks almost every single year of mm-hmm. his career. So the idea that he's going to make $5 million somewhere seems... I, I, and that was Sportrack's initial numbers about a month ago. I'd have to think that they've readjusted that because I agree with you. He's going to be much more valuable than that. What, what do you think a reasonable, based on age... But his production level, what do you think a reasonable number would be for him? Mm, I think reasonable would be like thirteen, fourteen million. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, five million. I don't it, that, yeah. that had to be a screw up. That can't be right. Yeah, it can't be right. I agree. <laughs> uh let's see. Somebody else did you have one, Shannon? I I don't want to just take over your time with the texters, but uh four two five asking, Professor, does a Kirk Cousins for Baker Mayfield trade make sense? No. All right. And the reason is, you get Baker Mayfield. Yeah, what is it? I mean, I just read a thing saying, hey, he's ahead of schedule after the surgery and, you know, get ready for the best version of him, which I guess it better be if he's going to continue his his career in terms of being a starter in this league. But what's the read on him? Do people feel like he's he was what we saw last year was a result of him being injured? Or do people feel like he's just a serviceable quarterback who's not going to be great? He's a serviceable quarterback. I call him a complimentary quarterback. And what I mean by complimentary, I mean, he can win if you have two good running backs like they have, good tight end, good offensive line, good receivers. Uh, But if you don't have that, then he loses. And so it's like, you know, two years ago when uh, he went to the playoffs, I mean, he had, you know, two of the best running backs in the league, you know, running for him. I mean, he had the good offensive line, the good running game. But, I mean, it's like if you leave it on Baker Mayfield – you're not going to win. It's just not his game. I mean, you have to make sure he's a complimentary quarterback. And, uh, you know, so and, and where Kirk Cousins has the ability still to be able to throw for 4,000 yards in any given season. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, Baker Mayfield for uh, Kirk Cousins is not going to be one that's going to satisfy the Vikings. 206 asking uh, and, and touching on what you talked about, a deep draft for yeah. running backs, wide receivers. Which position do you see the Seahawks drafting first? Offensive tackle. Uh, you know, because if you look at the 40, 41st pick, there's going to be a good offensive tackle there. 
Now, if you look at mock drafts, they'll also include, and these are all accurate, uh, an edge rusher, a defensive end, and also a cornerback. So those would be the three things. Because now, the way that this draft is, uh, you know, <clears throat> the, the, the draft could be five rounds deep as far as running backs. Five rounds. And so you can get one in the third, fourth, or fifth. So you don't want to rush it with a running back, uh, particularly if you can't re-sign uh, Penny in the backfield. So it's like, uh, I think, offensive tackle, edge rusher, and cornerback. Hey, uh, we, we talked about O-line, and there's a, you, we, you brought up the uh, yeah. Rams could be losing three guys. We know Cincinnati, is they've got a dreadful O-line. Oh, awful. What kind of competition do you think will be out there for Dwayne Brown? Somebody texting in 253 asking, could Cincinnati go after Dwayne Brown? But I could see more than just Cincinnati being interested in him. Yeah, but I think it's you know unlikely that they're going to go for an older uh, offensive tackle like that. You know, they're trying to build for not just this year, last year, and the future. And so to go to a guy that may only have a year or two left, <clears throat> I don't think that's the Bengal way. And I know that uh, Sport Track and I know Pro Football Focus has him two million, two years, twenty million dollars. I don't know if he's going to get that much money, <clears throat> but I can't see the Bengals paying two twenty uh, for an older tackle like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see a team being interested as a stopgap yeah, because he's yeah. better, he obviously better than most of the the duct tape guys you would normally put in that position, waiting to draft your future left tackle. But yeah, just be curious because Seahawks are far from the only team, and the Bengals far yeah. from the only team with offensive line needs. Right. I mean, agreed. Agreed. Seems like the, the, that that seems to be the most common theme amongst most, not all, but most franchises. Uh-huh. Yeah, they could really use some help with their guard or their right tackle, their left tackle. I mean, O line just seems like man. There's 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 a need across the league for good O linemen. One hundred percent. Yeah, because I mean, you think about what Kansas City did last year. I mean, they didn't get him to the Super Bowl, but they revamped their entire offensive line, and you know, uh, Creed Humphreys went to the Pro Bowl. I mean, they did a great job of doing that. But again, that's so rare to be able to hit on all the offensive linemen that a team like the Chiefs did. And, you know, there's more teams in need. And you look at the fact that, uh, you know, you got, you know, so many guys for the Rams that are up with Andrew Whitworth likely retiring. It's, it's going to be tough. John, uh, our listeners are trying to get Shannon yelled at. They're, they're, they're texting in saying, hey, Shannon. Ask John, which three teams make the most sense for the Seahawks to trade Russell Wilson? Oh, God. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to him. Thank <laughs> you, Shannon. They're trying to set her up so you'll yeah, get mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and people, it seems like, for the most part, people have legit questions. But they're, you'd be, you won't be surprised to know a number asking. Ask John about where DK Metcalf's going to get traded. Ask him where Russell's going to get mm-hmm. traded. Uh, but so we'll go ahead and move past that and don't fall for the, don't take the bait, Shannon. They're trying Thank to, you. they're Thank trying you. to get you yelled at by John. Thank you. I'm watching the baseball developments here. So okay. I'm Is there anything new to report? Yeah. Well, it's, they are actually negotiating in the dark right now. Really? The lights went out? No. Yeah. Well, they lost power. The sun went down. It's like the first <laughs> oh, time okay. that they have actually negotiated into the night, into the night. Yeah. But they're not, they're not doing it by candlelight. They still have electricity. So that's good. By the way, somebody asking your opinion on Dan Orlovsky. Have you paid much attention to him as a as a broadcaster as a yeah I don't know what analyst what yeah. what his role is he seems he seems to be a hot take guy yeah he does I mean he'll make a lot of bold opinions he may agree with some disagree with others but at least he has opinions I give him credit for that 
Do you do you watch many of those guys? Do you watch Orlovsky no. and Stephen A. Smith and all those guys out there giving the not really no giving the hot takes? You know, not your thing, huh? No, I'm busy working on a database, so it's like. <laughs> All right. What else? What else is going on out there? I saw something about the Cowboys sort of re readjusting how they're going to do things in light of all the accusations of, that that went on there. I mean, in in reality, I know yeah. they're they're putting that out there for public consumption, but nothing's going to change there, right? No, nothing. No. I mean, it's Jerry's team. Jerry's going to do it his way. That's not going to change. I just feel bad for uh, Rich Dalrymple because I go back, as I mentioned, I think last week that I covered his last game uh, at Westminster College for the Pittsburgh Press because mm-hmm. he was a quarterback back then. He, uh, Westminster lost the game. But it's like, uh, I like Rich. Rich was probably in the PR circles, one of the better ones I got along with and all that stuff. And I pretty much get along with just about all the PR guys. But again, he was kind of like a close one because he was more friend than he was a PR guy for me. And so to see him go through this is tough. Well, he did it to himself, John. He did. Yeah. I, mean, I can't. I mean, I can't change what he did, and he did bad. Uh, last one before we let you go. Five oh nine asking, what are the chances, Professor, that Carson is not a Seahawk next year? Don't know. I mean, we got to see how he comes back off the neck injury, and of course, uh, way too early to say. I mean, you know, they keep on talking about, and I think that uh, Pete Carroll is going to talk on Wednesday to give us an update a little bit. But, again, it's like he's been optimistic. But, again, you're optimistic with a neck injury. You just don't know. Yeah, and we, we saw that turned out for Cliff Averill and Cam Chancellor yeah. dealing with yeah. neck injuries. So hopefully it's uh, something different than that and he's able to come back. John, we appreciate it. We'll do it again tomorrow. Okay, sounds good. There you go. There's the Professor John Clayton with us every single day. If you missed any of today's cold, hard facts brought to you by Coors Light, Made to Chill, Download the podcast at 710sports.com. What, what's the latest, Shannon? What's, what's catching your eye? They there? are going back and forth. There has been a lot of back and forth, and all the big players are there for MLB. Rob Manfred has actually been going to the player's side in multiple times. How far apart are their sides? Are they in different buildings? Where are they at? I think they're probably in different buildings. Okay. It's a dual complex, but so they're, I would assume. They're not driving anywhere. You can no, walk no, across no, no. The, they're all yeah. in, the same, in the same complex area, but I, they're separate buildings. Hmm. Where, where are you at? I know we're up against the break here, but where are you at with Tony Clark? Hard to get a read on him. No, it's not. It's, it, it, well, I see some players praising him and, and really putting everything on the owners. Others saying Tony Clark's not doing the job he should be doing. I don't. Again, we're not in the middle of it. I don't really know. But what, what's your impression of him? Well, I, I've heard both. I've heard good and bad from mm-hmm. different player camps at different right. times. But the fact of the matter is, is that uh, they did not get a, a good deal last time. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that I was hearing after the last deal was the owners could not believe how much they left on the table. They took a very early offer. And, you know, along those lines, for me, if I am going to be trying to negotiate multi-million, billion-dollar industry and salaries and whatnot, I am going with a labor attorney as the head of my group. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to have the player representation, strong player representation, but I, I think at this point, as far as, as Tony, it's, it's, they've taken steps backwards. You think he's in over his head? Well, I don't, you know, I don't know how much he's actually responsible for. You know, I, I say all that, and you know, Bruce Meyer could be dictating most everything right. that they are Tony's doing Tony's the right face. Now. But, yeah. So uh, along those lines, I don't know. But you know, it, one of the things in watching these 
negotiations the last couple of days is a lot of the players and the ones that have been there the most uh, have been Max Scherzer, have been Garrett Cole. Your executive mm-hmm. committee meetings, uh, you know, Marcus Simeon's in that group as well, are the top-tier salary guys. Yeah. And I like that they're fighting for the guys below them. They need to be yeah. that, but I think they need more representation of from the guys them. from, yes, yeah. that are on the lower end of things. And then again, I think that ultimately you should leave most of the negotiating. I, I think if you have a room full of players and a room full of owners, you need to kind of condense that and maybe one or two players, one or two owners, and then your legal guys. But the relationship has not been good. Tony Clark has been a part of that. Rob Manfred has been a part of that. And if I could do anything, I would start over with both of them. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk more about that. And even with an interrupted offseason, the plan for the Mariners does not change. We'll tell you what we're talking about next. It's Wyman and Bob with Shannon Dreher in on 710 ESPN Seattle.